Hello and welcome to the latest episode of And The Winner Is, where we look back at the top films of Oscar night in the Best Picture category. Uh, tonight we're looking at the 1948 winner, released in November 1947, Gentleman's Agreement, starring Gregory Peck and Dorothy McGuire. Uh, produced by Daryl F. Zanuck. That's a, that's a name we'll probably come across several times when we're doing this record for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and directed by Eliza Kazan. Elia Kazan, I should say, not Eliza. It's my own right. <laughs> uh, in addition to Best Picture, it also, uh, for Kazan, it got Best Director and Supporting Actress for Celeste Holm. Uh, joining me as you've heard again tonight is Paul. You're all right, mate? Yep, all good. It's, it's a Friday night and this is how rock and roll we are. <laughs> and and I know you have a lot of podcasts and we have to squeeze them in when we can. Yeah. Because yeah. we do three records between ourselves as well. So Yeah, and well, it's not just three at the moment, is it? Because we're recording every no. week on the on the other one. That's, that's um, true. Yeah. So it's <laughs> it's about six, seven, seven shows a month yes. between it's me and crazy, you. So we've got to put them in when we can. Yeah. yeah. Of course, now I'm back at work as my mum has had a rethink where I watch these as well to fit yeah. in the records. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mine's not. This this show is normally an early morning watch or a, a Saturday like lunchtime yeah. watch. Well, I mean, um, this since we started recording these, this is the first time I've actually watched in the week of a night time because now I'm back at work. So, so that was interesting. Yeah. So I usually watch them on weekends. but And this sort of film I would usually watch on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that's going to be reserved for the other one this month. I think. Yeah. So, so yeah. So before we just before we um leap into the film, I should say <laughs> we'll get that gag in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just one or two facts about the film. Uh, in 2017, it was selected for preservation in the U.S. National Film Registry as being culturally significant. Um, again, this is something I think we'll come across in one or two of these films that we'll discuss over time. Yeah. Seems to end up in there in the registry. Uh, as well as it had eight nominations in total. Um, so, and I said earlier, those the three wins in total. The other films it was up against were Crossfire, which apparently had similar themes. Uh, Great Expectations, which I think I may have seen once back in the, in the day. Yeah, likewise. Um, I think I've probably seen that as well. Yes, it's, it's the David Lean version, isn't it? Yeah. It's one that pops up on the telly now and again. I, I may, if I've not seen it all, I've seen bits and pieces of it over the years. Yeah. Uh, and similarly, Miracle on 34th Street, which he was up against as well. Uh, yep. I've seen bits and pieces of. And I think I've seen bits and pieces of The Bishop's Wife. It's a funny year. It's a year where I've seen bits and pieces of some of the yeah. films. <laughs> so, it doesn't happen very often. Uh, the, I'll, I'll get to this again in a minute, but the Fox logo appears at the start of the film, but without, of course, without any fanfare. Yeah. Um, it's weird seeing that in black and white as well. <laughs> so used to see yeah. Star Wars. <laughs> it's strange. And obviously, we're now on to a completely new version of it as well, where it doesn't say Fox yeah. anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's, 20, it's just 21st pictures or something, 21st yeah. century or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was the, of course, it was also the biggest grossing film for Fox of 1948. Um, on a budget of 1.9 million, it took 7.8 million, which that's, that's a- not bad. For, for the 1940s, that's pretty good. Well, yeah. It's a sort of, a, sort of eight, nearly eight times its budget, wasn't it? Give yeah. or take. It's not bad. There's a lot of films now, I would say that. Interesting, it's the only Best Picture Oscar winner that Peck was in, that starred in it. So, because given the bloke's career, you thought he might have popped up in a few more Best Picture films. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. Because, of course, Mockingbird didn't win Best Picture, and we'll get to that year eventually. Um, 
But the, the other interesting fact we're talking about, Peck, is that seemingly a lot of cast didn't get on with him in the film. Um, not the director, Leah Kazan. Um, Kazan reportedly told the press he was disappointed with Peck's performance and they never worked together again. Oh, Jesus. That's pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Peck in 1984 was claimed to have been quoted in, a, in an earlier interview years before where he said Kazan was the wrong director for the film. <laughs> and uh, he said that was a, <laughs> it was a misunderstanding. I don't think there could have been a better director of film. He just meant that they didn't have, they didn't click emotionally. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> I think one or two of these got a co-star. Uh, Celeste Holm said that she found Gregory Peck to be no fun to work with. And also some, uh, somebody that pops up at the start of the film in the, uh, a, a young actor we'll talk about in a minute also um, found him hard to work with. Um, I don't want to mention the actor until we get into the actual bit of the film. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he sounded like he was quite an intense bloke to work with. Yeah, it seems um, like it. And I would imagine <laughs> doing something like To Kill a Mockingbird would, <laughs> would need someone like that anyway in the, in the role. So it's yeah, not really a surprise. Yeah. And the film, of course, is based on a, on a novel by an author called Laura Z. Opson. Um, and she wrote it, apparently, after anti-Semitic comments by a Mississippi senator on Congress. I got Jesus. applause. I know. It's just... Uh, it's it, and it's one of my notes that we're nearly, what, 80 years on from this coming out, and it's yeah. still one of those subjects to this day that that's a difficult one and it's still ongoing. Yeah, um, yeah. And I was thinking about it as well because uh, uh, I'll, 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 I'll come back to my thought in a second. So the only other fact I was going to pick up was something that was actually, uh, I believe there's a scene in the film which sort of paid cream to the fact that there were people in the Jewish community didn't actually want the film made because they had their own way they wanted to deal with the situation. Um, and there's actually a scene there, I think they're around a big, big board table or something which is a similar thing plays out where Jewish people sort of tell him that they don't want the story told and I thought it was really interesting yeah, yeah. Um, and that, that's actually and that, a really really good scene as well in the film yeah yeah uh, and yeah uh, just on the last couple of facts I want to mention that Peck's agent advised him against doing the film saying that he was in dangerous career um, and Daryl Zanuck felt the time was right to bring up the subject of anti-Semitism because, of course, it's only come out a couple of years after the Second World War had finished. Yeah. Um, so it was still very prevalent. Um, yeah, so I suppose we'll jump into the film. We'll, we'll discuss one or two of those scenes again as well. Um, yeah. Uh, and I suppose if we just pick it up from the, uh, as I say, from the opening where we had the Fox logo, yeah. uh, then we get into our first sort of scenes with Gregory Peck. Um, and now I am thinking, because I didn't twig when I saw the credits come up, it's little Dean Stockwell. It's young Al. Yeah. yeah. And, and he looks so fresh-faced. Yeah. It must be a really early role for him. Yeah. Um, and with that, I want to bring up um, the the early FX uh, shots. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. That's like clearly... a comment about back projection. <laughs> yeah, that quite clearly isn't them in New York. Some, some of the shots clearly are in New York, but then when you get some what? of the close-ups... And it just looks awful. Well, it's it's a weird thing. I mean, you even go up to the sort of 60s in films like Where Eagles Dare. Yeah. They clearly have this, the main cast on location for scenes, and, and they do with yeah. this. You can see that that's Peck and Stockwell out in the street on a park bench. Yeah. But for the close-ups, uh, and this used to happen so much, they go back to they have them in a studio. 
Yeah. And there was obviously some technical reason or budgetary reason, I guess, why they used to do it. Because um, yeah. just if you think about where Eagles dare for a minute, there's a scene where like they're, they're right in the snow, they start the film. And then you cut to close-ups of Burton folding his, his um, parachute up, but it's in the studio and it's all in close-up and it's back behind yeah. him. So it was, yeah, so it's a little bit jarring the first time you see it, but you get used to it as a film. Yeah, film, but... yeah. yeah, definitely. The, the couple of things I noticed as well, even from the start on, because we watched, I watched this on Amazon, it's a really nice clean print. Yes, I don't it, was. Want to it, the it looked films. really good. Yeah. Um, which was was nice in itself, actually, because I know one or two of the earlier films we've watched, like uh, Kimmer and yeah, have, have not been aged very well in in that respect. Yeah, and uh, some of them, there's even been quite clearly where there's been a problem with the print, and it's not yeah, run properly. Yeah. Even when it's a digital mm. version, quite clearly the copy mm. that they've used wasn't in perfect condition. Yeah, but 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 this now I was pleasantly surprised. Isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the other thing I noticed in the opening, early opening scenes is Peck was a big bloke. <laughs> he looks yeah. really tall, especially up against Stockwell. Yeah, yeah, he really did. Uh, and for me, I, I want to bring up kind of at this point that it's, it's a real insight to to New York as it was. Um, yeah, like the, the scene when they're in the when they meet his mother for the first time, when he's going for the job interview and he leaves mm. leaves his son with with his grandmother. And they're in the yeah. in the um, like the the big department store. How rude they all are! Like mm. still having a conversation as they're walking away, and the person they're talking to is not even looking at them. And it's just like <laughs> it's a real proper insight into how New York was that they were always in a rush, and, mm. and it's like they are all very to the point. It's, there you go, you go there, you go here, and and that's <laughs> it. And it's it's very kind of quick performances because of it mm. um, yeah. in these opening yeah. sections. Yes, scattergun sort of approach, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I go, because we sort of, we, we, we get some of the other, the main players, we sort of, uh, his, his publisher, John Minifee, uh, we want to ask, ask him to write an article on anti-Semitism. So we're getting, from the very start, we know what the film's going to be about. Yeah. Um, right there and then. Um, but how he sort of, He's hesitant to do it, and he, because he's not sure as he can write it, um, as we'll find out in a minute, he does find a way. Uh, but we also then meet, of course, is uh, uh, the publisher's niece, Kathy Lacey, played by Dorothy McGuire, yeah. um, who actually turns out to be the person who suggests the story idea in the first place. Yeah, um, and that will have ramifications later on in the film. And, uh, and, and at that get... point, I just I want to bring up it's ten minutes in, and their their flirting is quite combative. It's yeah, it's not what you'd expect from a film these days. Certainly from a film, I know it's got its hard hit inside, but it's also got that family side to it as well. Mm, and it's, yeah, it's not kind of the love story that you would find in a film these days. It's it's a very different and very quick affair. Mm. Because within yeah. 40 minutes, they're getting married and things like that. But it really does start out <laughs> quite competitive between the two of yeah. them. Well, fine enough, it, it, I'll probably bring it up again with somebody. It's what, ironically, it's one of the issues I had with the film is that, it, the, that it, as the film plays out, it kind of feels a little bit too forced at times. Yeah. It's sort of as if they're saying, from, look, these two are the couple that we want you to fall for, despite everything that's going to go out. And, hang on, this, 
Give us a chance to get up to speed with the film. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's one of the things I, I pointed out about. We've watched a few of these early winners, and the stories move very quickly in these mm. early films. Like one minute you're there, and then the next bit, it's six months on, and there seems to yeah. be a whole chunk of story missing. <laughs> yes. And so, it's uh, very much the same in this case. Isn't it? We're just, we just jump forward months and even years at yeah. a time. Yeah, so we get to as as we sort of play things along now, we get the first sort of one of the first sort of key scenes of where the film is going and what the film's about is when um when Phil is talking to his son about what anti-Semitism is. Yeah. Um and, and it's pretty much on the nose, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. And um, what I what I want to bring up with that scene, and it's not about the hard hitting bit, I want to know what grape nuts are. <laughs> there's a box of grape nut cereal on the table and I have no idea what that is yeah so we might we might have to put a tweet out or something about that so yeah the, but I was watching that scene I thought that I thought Stock was very good at doing breakfast he acted <laughs> yes carry on make, doing his breakfast when he's doing his lines that, that got some quality yeah <laughs> But it's a very strange sequence. And there's also, within the scene itself, Phil gets called out by his mother as well. Yeah, and, and that was For one of my notes. slightly sexist that, attitudes as well, yeah. itself. I actually wrote a note that says his mum keeps him in check. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the time think, throughout the film. Yeah, because, I mean, because he's mentioning the fact that the article idea came from, from a quote-unquote girl at the magazine. Yeah, his mother's why women will be thinking next. Brilliantly, <laughs> <laughs> she is very good. Uh, yeah, yeah, she's a really good turn, actually. Um, and so she sort of is there almost as his balance, isn't she? In chat, um, but yeah, it's a great scene. But it's also it's already showing the layers to, to, the, to the subject matter and how people. And this is something we've seen in society where people can think that they're in the moral high ground or on the moral high ground, yeah. yet there are still elements of themselves. And, and that becomes one of the themes of the film as we play through it. Um, so we're then getting into where Phil is now already got writer's block at the start of the assignment. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's a very, very much a struggle. But yeah. the point I want to I want to yeah. bring up here is is Gregory Peck is what I would call a suave actor. It, mm. It's not really the words that he's speaking, it's, it's how he performs them yeah, that, yeah. that well, gives it's, them it's, something. It's interesting. Well, I didn't mention it in the facts, but apparently um, Cary Grant was the first choice for the film. Well, that isn't um, a surprise either, is it, really? They were, yeah, they were, so they were quite similar. Mm, yeah, yeah, they played those sort of... I said, not just statuesque in height, but statuesque in character as well. There's something yeah. about these guys when they walked into a room. Yeah, um, definitely. Who is that guy, you know? Yeah, so yes, you can see why they went with Peck in the end. Um, but yeah, so uh, we're saying that he's having his writer's block and, and then he recalls that he would sort of lived as an Oki on Route 66 or a coal miner in previous writing jobs. Yeah. Instead of sort of asking people or pulling the facts together and then uh, to that point, then we get to the bit where he decides he's going to write "I Was Jewish" for six months, and yeah. sort of going, getting into the depths of the film. Then, 
And I was like, um, this isn't going to go well for him. This is no, not going to go no, well for him. No, absolutely. Um, well, it's interesting, uh, just a minute, because very often these films, the, the title will sort of come up, but we don't get that until right near the end in this one, interestingly. No. Um, so we also, at this point now, start to see our first sort of insights into um, to Kathy's character. Yeah. She thinks that she's liberal, and we're asked to think that she's liberal, but at this instance, we're already getting our first alarm bells about her. Um, yeah. When he says what he's going to do, and she asks him if he actually is Jewish. So yeah. what, what what difference should that make in it? <laughs> yeah, um, he, he, this, this this is my problem with their relationship. Their relationship is so up and down throughout mm. that you can't. And with the kind of them leaving huge gaps of the story missing, they mm. seem in one scene they're not together. And then the next scene, they seem quite happy together again. And it yeah, it's a real yin does, and yang about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, throughout, I've got notes. Oh, now they're falling out. Oh, now they're <laughs> back back together again. Uh, yeah, I mean, just, I got around like 40 snog at one point because you think, well, that's come from nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Just, I, I totally understand. And to be fair, it is the only relationship I really care about mm. throughout mm. the the film because a, a lot of the time yeah. and I, I'll bring it up now his mum is in it like once every like 50 minutes and, and it's usually uh, and just set talk- up that she's actually getting on a bit and that she's got heart problems yeah it's like early on one of my earlier notes that I didn't bring up oh I was convinced that was the end of her because yes. they don't show her they just say <laughs> oh she's she's sick yeah, and then we don't they, see they her make again. A big for... thing about it whenever it does pop up. Yeah, and that's why I couldn't care about her. Or... Yeah, I couldn't care about the relationship between her and her son because mm. she was hardly there. All we mm. knew was that she was ill, and then she'd pop yeah. up for one scene, and then disappear yeah. again for another fifty. Yeah, minutes. when she pops up, she, she effectively steals the scene when she's when she yeah. does appear. Yeah. Um, so, and uh, so, as we say, there, there, there are several sort of relationships within the film, working relationships particularly, and we get another one of those now at this point where Phil gets his secretary, Elaine, Elaine Wales, yeah. um, who again, she reveals that she's Jewish, but yeah. changed her name to get a job. Um, yeah. So the employer that she's with that's get this mat that's tasked him with writing this has already got its own issues in the background. Yeah. Well, she felt like she had to change her name from Estelle, uh, I think, Golovsky thing, something like that. Um, and it's basically that the, it's throwing this anti-Semitism at you from all kinds of angles, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we'll see later on in the film that she's even got her own issues within the community herself. Um towards the end of the film and, and that scene is quite a revelation um uh what is it you know, no it might even be around here it might be this same sequence where she talks about not wanting that's right it is in this sequence here actually um where she doesn't want the wrong jews so i guess yeah. we're thinking more the more acidic the sort of the more intense element of the of the religion and, and you think well when you've got that within communities what hope is there for us as a species you know yeah yeah it's 
it's as I said at the top of the show, it's very much something that still is at the forefront today. Mm. We still still get it for us here. Um, football, there's a lot of it still going on and, and things like yeah. that. So it's it's still a very tough subject. So watching a film yeah. that's, yeah, as I said, nearly 80 years old is mm. still a difficult watch even today. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But we also now, I think, are now around at this point. So we meet one of the sort of highlights of the film, which is the aforementioned Celeste Home, uh, who plays the fashion editor at Anne Detry. And for yeah. me, she was the highlight of the film. She's great. Whenever she, she again, she steals every scene she's in. And yeah. she's got this sort of energy, this really fun energy to her, this sort of no BS kind of attitude to the world. Yeah. Um, and also, she plays that as this potential third wheel love interest. Yes, uh, and, and, and at this point, yeah, I wrote down all oh, bitch fight because that's what it looked like <laughs> it was leaning up to. It's setting were, up for, yeah, yeah. And it never really comes to, to fruition <laughs> until obviously, and no. we'll talk about it at the end. Mm. Yes, yeah, she becomes a signing board, doesn't she, for him? So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we get the other, so this, we're still getting characters popping into the main story. We get, um, Phil's childhood friend Dave, who he's, who, who he's already mentioned previously, um, but he's been all right to. Uh, he get himself is a, is a Jewish person, uh, comes into New York and lives with the Greens whilst he looks for a home. Um, and we see through him some of the very intense sort of anti Semitism that's about. Um, there's a scene in the, I think, in a bar, in a cafe or bar. Uh, where he comes across, it's another military guy as well, which I didn't twig straight away. Yeah, but I need to go back and play the scene again. Um, and his attitude towards Jews, and it's a nasty scene, actually. Yeah, it's it's a just, very tough watch that that scene. Yeah, and you're just willing him to punch him, and he does. <laughs> yeah, without a hesitation either. He just yeah just goes for it. Yeah, really clocks him a good, and then and even his mate, you can tell the, the bloke's mate is really pissed off with him. Yeah, sort of shoves him out of there, you know. Uh, we also, I think, that we'll get to a point now where we sort of see why the other part of the story with the mother, where that taps in, is where with her heart condition, and that's the scene where um, Phil is chatting to the doctor, and yeah. he's sort of trying to push him away from speaking to the specialist who's got a, a Jewish sounding name, and I was sort of thinking, suggesting that that he, that he might not get the best of the I'm sort of thinking, really. You know, yeah. <laughs> this is a man yeah. in your own profession, another doctor. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, oh man. It's sometimes the, 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 they, feel, they feel almost too calculated, these scenes, that they almost feel too ridiculous, even though we, we know that they're not. Uh, it, it just, blimey, Charlie, yeah. I, I wanted to punch the doctor. <laughs> yeah. And you do say they're just, sitting alongside Phil and just shaking your head at all these people alongside him and you yeah. really follow his story um, and then that's not the end of it because then you get the scene with the janitor yeah. <laughs> I love how he, scri he scribbles the Goldberg name on the bottom of the car and then Janice just, just his jaw just hits the floor <laughs> see for me uh, and we've not brought up outside of the, the scene in the the bar or like the with the military guys, 
The scene that I found yeah. the hardest to watch was when his little boy gets abused for being a Jew when he isn't. Um, oh, yeah. And that's that's just horrible to watch because he's put him in... Mm. Someone of that age should not be put in a position that he is put in because his dad mm. is writing a story about something. Yeah. It's yeah. completely unfair and it's horrible to watch because yeah. it's completely devastating for the little one. Yeah. And again, that, that's one of the other sort of tenets of the story is how Phil becomes so entrapped enthralled in this sort of lifestyle and sort of entwined in this lifestyle and he doesn't see the damage it's actually doing to some of the people yeah. around him. Um, exactly. Yeah, again, and Stockwell's really good. You could see the yeah. bloke's been around for so long. In those scenes, he, he's on, he lights up the screen as a kid. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. What a, what a great career he ha he's had. Mm. Yeah, I mean, at the time of recording, one of his 1980s films, he's back in the cinemas for one night in June. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the bloke has done some great stuff. Uh, yeah, so we, we get, um, so as the film goes, we get some sort of various sort of melodramatic bits. Uh, Nan ends up having a stroke. Yeah. <laughs> and she's, they're, they're, they're trying to sort of tease us, aren't they? Well, she may not make it till the end of the film, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and we get a very strange scene where um, uh, Kate, uh, Kathy sort of reveals that they built a house with her, with her ex-husband and, and never lived in it. And you just see a woman around this house. <laughs> I think, well, <laughs> there's another honking plot point, plot point from the end of the film. Uh, uh, and I think then we get to the point where we've said we've had the bit with the um, the janitor and that, that was one of my favourite scenes in, in, and uh, Peck is really good in that and sort of and we hear that sort of just because he's Jewish he won't the suggestion is that he won't be able to rent anywhere in town yeah Jesus well, you know it's ridiculous the levels that people go to um, and then of course on the back of that where they're chatting about this the super fast honeymoon that we mentioned <laughs> yeah um, where the suggestion is they may not be able to get the, get booked in there. He goes along, doesn't he, and, and sort of so pretends he's got a book in there. And that's, a, again, an, another really odious sort of character, that just, the, the, the um, hotel manager. Yeah. It was basically just saying, you, you're not staying here because you're Jewish, without saying it, to start with. And almost flips the, the old victim-shaming thing as well and talks about sort of getting the security and so on. And you can see it's really getting to Phil now by this point. Yeah. Peck's, again, another great scene here. He's just the acting in the guy, the face acting. Uh, out of this, this horrible bias is just soaking into his skin. Yeah. And he, he starts to realise that it's... I think it's time to be done, doesn't it? Yeah, or, yeah, um... yeah. He's starting to get... Yeah, and he's starting to get to sort of the... To the crux and the sort of high point of the story he's going to tell now, isn't he? At this point, yeah. I think that comes up, doesn't it, in the notes of the story later on. Um, and with then we get to the scene. I think comes on the back of this where um, that you just mentioned about uh, Tommy being bullied. Yeah. Uh, and the sort of now that dovetails into into Kathy and another scene. And it's so strange the way they deal with Kathy in this film. 
is woman they're, as you said they're, they're setting her up for you to, to love this woman and, and you want them to be very much together and very happy mm-hmm. um but in the next instance you see the sort of the internal sort of bigotry that, he, that i think this is some of i guess that we're all guilty of at some point and this is this is the crux of it um when she tells him that the, calling him a dirty jew are wrong not because he's jewish but because he isn't jewish you know it's just that yeah the fact that because he's not jewish and yet he's been called a dirty jew that's what she's got issue with yeah um, and it does seem it's more the female characters that have the big problem like his secretary mm. seems to have a problem yeah kathy does and it seems yeah. to be them that don't quite understand what he's trying to do Mm. that they have a yeah, problem is, with with it which is interesting in itself because you then ask the question is the film then itself guilty of a sort of inverted sexism yeah in that Definitely. it's the female characters that don't come out of it or the two main characters that don't come out of it quite too well because they both got their own issues yeah um yeah i thought that was quite interesting um we also then get uh Another sort of facet of this attitude of these attitudes really with Kathy, um, when she and Phil and Langs their engagement, and uh, they get an invite from the sister to go to sort of Connecticut, which is basically just a couple of scenes in in a, in a film set. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah probably a film set from a TV show or something like that. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Not it's not not a lot of location shooting in this film. I've that bit from no. New York at the start. Uh, and again, it's another really awkward scene. It's a setting in what they call a restricted community where Jews aren't welcome, just like the hotel. Um, and Kathy wants to tell her family and friends that Phil's only pretending, but he sort of, he stops her. And I think that that's where you start to question Phil. He's, he's almost too deep into it, and it, that's, it is affecting people in ways that it shouldn't do. Yeah. Uh, and people are very friendly to Phil, but of course... Uh, is it like at least three couples that were unable to attend and you and you just know it's because of, of the thought that, that there's going to be a Jewish gentleman in the area it's just as I said a minute ago it, it, it just throws so many different avenues and attitudes at you it, it, it can be quite overwhelming at times and I think that's kind of the yeah. point of the film really yeah because um, there's a scene I think where um, when Dave and sort of Kathy are sat down having a chat, as now we're sort of approaching the climax of the film, and that's basically what he says to her, isn't it? That, um, and she talks about the. Um, she went to a, I think, to a dinner party. A, yeah, party guest told a bigoted joke, and and she sort of did did nothing, and that's kind of again another of the messages out of the film is that you enable these people by not stepping in and, and again it's something that we're probably all guilty of and we everybody has to do better as a result of that yeah um, and that's effectively what he's, t- he's telling her in that scene that she needs to be better she may not think that she's not a bigot but you arm people that clearly are yeah by an inactivity um, and again it's another really good scene so the, the film is just peppered with these sort of, uh, at times they can they can feel forceful but they're also very relevant and very resonant yeah. even now yeah yeah definitely um, i i completely agree on 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 that matter it is there is some really strong scenes but there's other issues with the film that kind of hold it back a little bit 
mm. which is a shame because it is a, a very strong subject matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, so we then get from that that scene about the silence to sort of base, basically we're now at the, the climax of the film after all these trials and tribulations you've gone through. Um, that Dave says he's going to be moving into that to the cottage. Honky plonk point resolved. Dave's taking the cottage with his family from LA. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and we get that just that weird sort of climax and that weird sort of reconciliation scene then. Um, yeah. And I think, oh, everything's all right then between them after all. Yeah. <laughs> after I, I, that was literally my final note that he really caves in far too easily at the end. Mm. Um, mm. As you say, it's. It seems a bit of a shock that that happens. Yeah, so. yeah. Because one minute he's buggering off to um, he's going the other way, and he's going out to, to California yeah. or something like that. And the next minute he's running up the stairs. So, all right, we'll see yeah. where this goes then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a very very odd film in the respect. I think it's a film. I think everybody kind of needs to see at least once, perhaps. Yeah. But it also, in other respects, it hasn't quite aged. I mean, um, picking back up on the facts, I mean, uh, Peck apparently later on said about the film, we felt we were, quote, we felt we were brave pioneers exploring anti-Semitism in the United States, but today it seems a little dated. And, and he was probably right, actually. Yeah. The, in, the intent is there. The, the intent is, is laudable. Is what? Because I'm set out to do, but in terms of sort of because it was 1947, 48, it does feel a bit stilted and a bit forced at times. Yeah, yeah. One of one of my final notes it says it, it doesn't really correct any of the issues that it sets out to correct. Um, mm. His story yeah. doesn't really go anywhere. Um, yeah, he still lives the same life when he comes out at the other end of it. Um, mm. And it yeah, doesn't really do get... anything to, to fix the problems. No. No, it's so we you kind of left wanting to know what the overall effect on him and those around him will be once the story is read by everybody else. And we yeah. don't really get that scene. Yeah. We, we see it with the colleagues that have read it in the office and and, and uh, and even he saw the, the bigoted sort of secretary herself. Just were mentioned, of course, the other bit we see about her is, is when she finds out that he is a Christian, that she sort of re reversed anti-Semitism. Um, but yeah, so that was my only issue with the ending, really, is that we don't really get a feel for how, if or how these characters have actually changed in any way or shape or form at the end of it. Yeah. It just seems a little rushed and sort of neat and tidy at the end. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's pretty much exactly how I feel. Um, mm, it just it mm. needed some payoff at the end of it. Yeah, and we don't really get one. Mm. Yeah. So I suppose at this point we just sort of give our summary of the film and give some scores out. Do you want to sort of yeah. just pop in for that one? Yeah, yeah. For me, as it said, it doesn't really go anywhere. As we've just talked, it has no real finishing point. It doesn't give us any kind of hope or, or, or feelings towards the fact that something may have changed because of what they went through, um, which is a shame. Mm. And I'm sure there probably was some kind of reconciliation point um, to it all. 
but we just don't happen to see it. Um, I can yeah. certainly see why it won because of the subject matter. Um, even yeah, then, and yeah, I think it probably yeah. would if they if it was made now. I'm sure it would probably be a favourite to win an Oscar because of the subject matter. I don't mm. think that's changed. Um, it's still an well, enjoyable yeah, I mean, watch. I was going to mention. I mean, because I was going to say on that point is this sort of. I mean, we're sort of in the middle of a trio of films that sort of touching on them on similar themes. We had Crash last month. Yeah. Um, and on our next film, which we'll I'll talk about just at the end. Uh, well, also has very similar and very sort of much heavier avenue uh, elements of this as well. Um, yeah, and a score. Uh, I gave it a seventy-seven. Just uh, it, yeah, it's above average. It doesn't, as yeah. you say, it doesn't quite have that finish to it that you would like. Um, yeah. It has got a good through storyline, as I say. It just doesn't really go anywhere, and it is it's an enjoyable watch. Still, I enjoyed watching it. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's above average, yeah. but not quite a yeah. moving in towards the classic um, winner mm. for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, similar to myself. So it's very much one of those academies message films that, that they really do love. Uh, it's not a recent thing that they've loved them for years. Either it's one, it's a film that says something about society, or or, or disability, or isms, you know, and they do lap that stuff up. So it very much fits into that category quite clearly. Um, sets its stall out very early in the film so what it's going to be about. Um, it, it's a weird film because it, it, it's a film that feels deep or at least it feels like that's what they want us to think it is, if that yeah. makes sense. Where, where sometimes it may not be. Um, some of the scenes do feel a bit forced. The romance for me was a strange one because at times it felt nice, but other times it felt very forced and sort of manipulative. And never really quite got an angle on it. Um, and I said, as I said a minute ago, I think it's a film that everybody kind of needs to see once. Also to see how historically attitudes haven't really changed in a lot of ways. Um, no. And and in terms of a score similar to so, I mean, I got it at seventy eight. It doesn't quite have the the wow, and I think this this may be something that, that we'll find with a lot of the older films for us as sort of young, more modern people. But but it, it was interesting, um, and it, it's nice to see Peck in a really meaty role. So he did a few of these in, in his younger days. Um, yeah. And I so in terms of the acting, you know, it, was, it was Celeste for me that, that that wins out in that. The few scenes that she's in, she's just great. She's got this sort of real yeah. spark attitude. Um, and yeah, so I think not a film I would rush back to watch very often, but if, if it was sort of popped up on talking pictures or something, I might sort of sit down and watch half an hour of it again, just sort of just oh, yeah, I remember watching that. Um, and I guess on that note, we, uh, I would say that'll be it for this for this episode. And uh, thank you, Paul. That's okay, I really enjoyed um, watching that. Hopefully, you all did yeah, and no, likewise, it was, a, it was a first watch for me, and uh, this is the one thing I like about this project. We're, we're getting stuff that, I, that I've seen recently, stuff I haven't seen yeah. for years, and there will be films like this that, that, I, that have completely utterly passed me by. Uh, yeah, so on that now, I think we'll say goodnight, and uh, I hope you'll all enjoy us for our next issue, next episode, which is uh, going to be a similarly heavy going, which is 12 Years a Slave. Good night. Yep. Cheerio. This podcast is part of the After Dark Podcast Network.